like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk then welcome to the just not sports podcast this is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like just not sports on today's show we'll talk to espn reporter and host sarah spain about the bachelorette the second best dating show ever behind brett michael's rock of love bus and we'll compare two infamous music videos from Dion sanders and mc hammer to see which one can be considered too legit and which one should just quit. We'll also slam the hammer on some guests, give you some distractions, and so much more. And with that, I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me in the room this week, a fresh-faced PR strategist who has logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Adam Millard. Adam, how are you? Peaceful. I'm happy to be here with you guys. You are peaceful. Thanks. Creeping me out. <laughs> Creeping me out. Also with Is this us. sort of Zen approach the sort of thing you learn in your martial arts classes? We'll talk about this during distractions. Okay, good. Ooh. Ooh that's what we call a tease in the biz. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, also with us to Adam's left, our Emmy-winning sports producer, New York native, here in his hometown, Mr. Gareth Hughes. Also, he's not at his left. And I Other left. Other left. Other left. <laughs> Gareth, how are you? you know, things are different on this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> Chicago is also on the same side of the Mississippi. And we are bad at Save this. it for the geography podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, save, it for the, <laughs> save it for the art geography podcast. Where are you at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Adam, nothing. That's funny. That's All right. Good- George is also with us. That's our first good spinoff. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our producer extraordinaire, our editor, a founding father, as we established a few weeks ago in our replay, a founding what? father of Just Not Sports. I was like, Joe. I was like, are you going to no be idea. a dad? Joe Reed. No, not news. a dad. News to Joe's too. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe, you how, fucked Joe, up. how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've recently gotten into maps. I'm starting a new podcast. It's called Where Are You At? It's dropping next week. He just, he just made that joke. I know. That was the joke of my joke. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> you're no Jerry Seinfeld. I know, but I love him. <laughs> I got an idea. Let's retake this. <laughs> Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Brad. <laughs> and I'm leaving that other joke in. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I'm not. The I audience, is gonna, show. Be, the audience <laughs> is gonna be confused as hell. All right. We're doing it. All right. So <laughs> let's get right into our hammers on this show. We don't just invite people on. We go public with our invites. We call this process slamming the hammer, and today we're going to slam the hammer on a few unsuspecting souls who have expressed an interest in something and therefore are legally obligated to talk to us about it. So, Joe, why don't we start with you this week? Legal, legal obligations pending. <laughs> yeah, legal yeah. obligation. Yeah, legal obligation, not legally binding. Uh, Joe, who do you want to slam the hammer on? This is more of a general topic, uh, hammer slam, but I'm, I've always been curious about athletes who did ballet um, Herschel I, Walker. I feel like you hear about it a lot, or you used to hear a lot about with NFL players. Definitely. Vance Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I would like to talk to, uh, we can have one of the athletes on, that'd be great, but I would love to talk to an instructor who maybe coached or like taught these players. Like, what is it like when one of these guys walks through your door and is like, I want to sign up for lessons in the offseason? I would just love to know what the process is. Uh, I don't know. How does that work? I don't know anything about ballet. 
I don't, I don't know. I think I'd we should all more. do a ballet class with the instructor. Uh, I'm down. Just not sports remote. I can I share a proud fatherhood moment of late. Please. I took my four year old daughter to the last ballet class of the year, and they had the summer off. And at the end of the class, it, nobody showed up because it was the last one of the year. It was the week after Father's Day, or it was Father's Day. And at the end of the class, the instructor came out and said, "Okay, that's all for the year. I'll see you in the fall." And I said, "Thanks." She said, "By the way, she is very good." And I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "Yeah, she's tall." She's like. She's tall. She can point. Her posture, her presence. You should stick with this. And it was my first moment as a dad of being told, like, hey, your kid is good at something. And having on Father's Day. That's and amazing. That was, that was the best Father's Day gift I got. That was the best. That was the highlight of my Father's Day. That's, That's awesome. great. I mean, yeah. look, I would say this. You should watch that movie Black Swan and then quit this f- shit right now <laughs> before you ruin this girl's life dancing in ballet is super hard and super stressful uh on a related note uh joffrey ballet in chicago yes i did take a girl to the ballet once no i do not want to buy a season tickets stop calling <laughs> oh yeah i have a quick i have a quick ballet story so i took a date in peoria illinois to the uh, peoria civic center to watch the nutcracker suite around christmas when I was growing up, really, when I was really young, we lived in Baltimore. And so my mom and dad took us um, a couple times to, like, the Nutcracker in D.C. Like, a really good show of it, you know? Like, professional. So I was expecting that. So I get there. I paid, like, you know, 50 bucks a ticket for the tickets. You know, we're in college. So she's like, oh, this is going to be crazy. We're going to the ballet. It must be, like, great. We get there. And, like, the, 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 the mice kind of run out, you know? Like, the beginning of the Nutcracker. And they're kids. Like little kids. And I look up and I, all I see is like parents like taking photos and stuff. And I realize it's like a local community version of the <laughs> Nutcracker with one kind of guest star who's not really a star. I was so angry. I mean, I'm getting angry even thinking about $50? it. Right $50? I was going to say. Insane. It's got to be a fundraiser so, or something. I was humiliated. And plus, she didn't like the ballet. I think I was just expecting, oh, like this will this will get you into the fine arts. Bad decisions. Angry. I'd be embarrassed, man. Taking a date. That's well, speaking tough. of good decisions, I am fascinated by the NFL players who have been retiring at a younger age. I think we know too much about what the NFL does to people's bodies, and guys make too much money to go at it long term. I think we're going to have to reevaluate how we view a successful NFL career. Uh, I think a guy like Marshawn Lynch to me is a first ballot Hall of Famer because he had great numbers, iconic moments. And when people are like, he didn't do it for long enough. Right. But he's a running back who made $50 million and knows the pounding his body was taking week in, week out. Patrick Willis. Absolutely. Right same category. Yeah. And so that's really who I'd like to hammer. I'd like to talk to Patrick Willis, Gerard Mayo, uh, Marshawn Lynch, DeBrickishaw Ferguson, uh, Calvin Johnson at the higher end. Any one of these guys who had a short, by all measures, successful NFL career and then just walked away. I think that it's uh, it shows the the smarts and savvy of the current athlete and how they're trying to define themselves and what success means for them, not by outdated standards. So awesome. that is my hammer. That's Smart. great. All right, Adam. This could, again, be extended to a number of people. So I'll say, on top of that list, Dana White. 
but Brendan Schaub, uh, host of The Fighter and the Kid, another excellent podcast. I take you as well. I, as you guys know, love mixed martial arts, in particular UFC. But I feel there are so many barriers to it being accepted as a mainstream sport, most notably the stars of the UFC. Ronda Rousey loses a fight, disappears into Hollywood, won't name a rematch. Colin McGregor pulls out of a fight, fakes a retirement, now wants to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match for $100 million apiece, and most recently, John Jones. I've never been more excited for a UFC fight than Daniel Cormier, John Jones, unification of the light heavyweight championship that was supposed to happen at UFC 200. Days before, John Jones busted for doping. He can't get it together. But let's not make it about these individuals as much. I don't want to come down on these guys because whatever problems they're having, that's their issues. But for Dana White to take this tiny company and make it into a company that is now valued at $4 billion, clearly has had a level of success. Yeah, has clearly had a huge level of success. But I think it's still by people who casually watch sports view it as kind of a sideshow or mm-hmm. uh, professional wrestling like because of these things that happen with the stars in the sport. Um, so I'd like to talk to someone just about the, the fight game. I know that's getting into sport a little bit, but more the markability of the UFC yeah. and how do you take it from what it is now and get people to really accept it. Mainstream. Startup culture. I mean, they, that I is think a, that's su- a great way to put it. That yeah, is really. a successful startup right yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, well, so. I, I also think this is going to be the template. Like, I think those fighters realize you have a you have a distinct shelf life in that sport, and the the goal is going to be don't put that many miles on your body like so fast. So, yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's a different issue. I, I mean, Ronda Rousey, I think if she wants to get out of it, she should. But you have Conor McGregor and John Jones who are not necessarily trying to get out of it, who are making a mess of the yeah. league. And GSP, please come back. All right, so my hammer, guys, we're taping this the week before the Republican National Convention. So I have no idea if, A, it's even still going to be happening, B, if the rule is going to change, or C, if Trump is going to completely obliterate his plans. But he has has announced, at least as of this taping, that um, Bob Knight is going to speak at the Republican (laughs) National Convention for Donald Trump. It did get turned him down, yes. Uh, Mike Tyson, he said, was rumored to rumored to have. So this is the the first athlete slash sports personality that is has confirmed that they're going to be at the convention speaking. I don't know if it's going to happen. I want to talk to Bob Knight about the process. (laughs) Like, who called him? What was the talk? Did he ever have a first draft? Did they give him any talking points? How is the Trump campaign even working? I mean, if you listen to political podcast like I do, one of the knocks on the Trump campaign, regardless of your politics, is that it's incredibly poorly organized. Like, they just, I'm just fascinated. Like, Does it exist as a, as a coherent right. campaign? It's a real question. Yeah, I mean, point. like, and that's not, a, that's not a knock on the Republicans. It's just, it just Trump has, has been an outsider, and he prided himself on what I would call an earned media campaign strategy, meaning he's going to do as much media as possible 
he's going to get as much media coverage as possible and then propel himself forward by winning pluralities in the early states as opposed to the traditional strategy of controlling your media appearances, fighting for delegates, and um, kind of going by the book with like strong on-the-ground games in each state. So, um, I, yeah, Bob Knight, let's just do it. I have zero faith you're going to even talk to us, let alone like know what a podcast is. He already gave is. me shit once during an interview. Bob Knight gave me a hard time. Well, how so? Oh, but I won. What do you do? It was in, <laughs> it was around uh, it was the Final Four in Atlanta a few years ago. I was interviewing him for the opening tease for the 75th Final Four. And we had, it was actually pretty cool. We had a moment where we had the entire 76 Hoosiers on set to take a photo of he and the starting five to kind of, you know, memorialize the last undefeated team. And so I interviewed him. And as we got to the end of our allotted time, I said, okay, last question, Mr. Knight. And I asked her coach and I asked the question. And then I started to ask another question. He's like, oh no, no, you said last question. I've put up with that shit for years. I know this game. He just got up and left. And nice. I was like, are you kidding? And then they came, the NCAA people came in and they had the starting five. And so he had to come back on set to take a picture with them. And somebody said, like, do you have any other questions? So I asked a question and he answered it. And as he walked up, I was like, Gotcha, coach. And he's like, <laughs> he was all grumbling under his breath. The guy who gave me a smile is a guy who grew up like right on the Ohio Indiana border yeah. during the heyday. I went to the NCAA tournament, the opening two rounds in Indianapolis at the Hoosier Dome with a sign that was made on an apron so we could smuggle it in that said CBS Calvert for Calvert Cheney plus Bobby equals Superdome <laughs> home of the final four that year. Um, we did not get on television, but to be given a hard time by Bobby Knight and then get him to grudgingly admit that I got him was a good moment <laughs> in my career. Anyway, those are our hammers. Um, if you got someone you want us to talk to, email us justnotsports at gmail.com. Tweet us at justnotsports. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a very fun interview with ESPN Sarah Spain about a shared guilty pleasure of ours. The Bachelorette. Stay tuned. Joining the show right now is Sarah Spain. Sarah is one of ESPN's most talented and tireless personalities. She's the host of the popular radio show, The Trifecta, and you can frequently catch her talking sports on other ESPN shows like Around the Horn, His and Hers, and of course, Sports Center. And if that's not enough Sarah for you, you can listen to her podcast, That's What She Said, or read her writing and reporting on ESPNW, or follow her on Twitter, where she's always sharing interesting thoughts. But today, in the immortal words of Chris Harrison, it's time, Sarah, to take a moment and say your goodbyes to the sports world for a bit because we're going to break down a guilty pleasure we both share, the Bachelor franchise. With the new season of The Bachelorette <laughs> coming to an end, it's a perfect time to debate Aaron Rodgers' family drama, the best way to get wasted before a rose ceremony, and which, <laughs> and which athletes would make the best Bachelor. So, Sarah, thank you for joining the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. What a nice welcome. <laughs> well, you are a very busy person. It took me I like am, 30 yeah. minutes to make sure I'm getting it on. I probably missed half of the <laughs> stuff that you do. All right. So we're, look, we are intrepid, real reporters on Just Not Sports. I'm cutting right to the chase. Have you ever applied to be on the show? Is there like an audition tape from 2009 somewhere in existence <laughs> we should know about? No, but embarrassingly enough, when I was in my 
early 20s, I definitely wanted to be on the show. I would swoon over pretty much every single guy that was The Bachelor. Except I was never into uh, Lorenzo Borghese. And there were a couple others that were a little boring. But, like, there were certainly plenty of Bachelors that I thought, oh, my gosh, she's perfect for me. And I wanted to go on the show, and I had dreams of applying. But I never actually did. And once I hit a certain age, I realized that uh, most of them seem, in fact, quite boring and that it would be mortifying to be on the show and that I'd probably lose my mind having to try to compete with a bunch of other women for one dude. Uh, so, no, sadly, there is no there is no audition tape floating around. We're going to get into this season, but I want to key on something that you that you just said about the, the some of the people being boring. I, my wife and I have watched pretty much every season of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, and we feel like there have been a lot of interesting personalities in the show but lately it feels like once you get to be the bachelor or bachelorette all of the things that make you interesting when it's when you're when you're courting the 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 bachelor bachelorette as as a contestant seem to like get whitewashed away and they just become this like i want to find love i'm a good person i'm religious do you feel like that the lead the leads on the show are showing enough personality or are we just overanalyzing that and you know it's always been like this I would guess it's probably more of uh, the editing than it is the actual people on the show. I think, I think yes, they're probably selecting some fairly uh, straight-as-an-arrow kind of people, the kind of people they feel will appeal to everybody. But I think they also probably edit it so that they keep them, you know, the kind of person that everybody will think is a catch. If they're too far in any direction, people might be turned off by them. So it's better for them to make them seem incredibly boring, but very charming. I mean, think <laughs> about some of the people in the past that like during the show seemed pretty boring, but charming and ended up being basically psychopaths. The pilot guy is an absolute lunatic. So Jace, Jake Pavelka, right. like that's another guy that during the show, they most certainly, I don't know if it was all editing or he just behaved himself better when he was on it. And then as soon as, they had their oat after the rose and, and the like, whatever. And he was just like yelling at everybody that he was just letting his guard down. But I mean, there definitely, I think is a concerted effort to, to make people appeal to as wide range of people as possible by making them incredibly boring. I want to get into the history of the show a little bit, but like, let's talk a little bit about this season because the bachelorette's wrapping up. So as we know, Jojo spurned famously last season by Ben um, looking for love it's down to like the final four as we're taping this. Um, and I think that's what Chase, Jordan, Robbie, and Luke, right? Yes. Um, who do you think's going to win? I get, wait, let me start with this. Do you read the spoilers? Are you like a reality Steve junkie? No. no, I intentionally do not read the spoilers. I think it's much more fun to just watch it as it happens and try to figure it out. Are you aware that reality Steve was a famous Jim Rome call in guy? No. That's in- he's, he's, he was a clone. He was he was like a king clone. He was like Steve from LMU who would or he would call in and wow. I think I think one year he won the smack off or got second in it. Um, wow. Yeah, good straight, take, Steve. <laughs> yeah, good yeah, great take, Steve. <laughs> or, uh don't give him a run. So you you you're spoiler free, so who do you think's gonna win this season? Well, I have to be honest with you, I was totally thrown by the cliffhanger at the end of the last episode where she was gonna get rid of Luke because Luke is my guy. Like, if I'm going home with any of these dudes, it's definitely Luke. For, like, Jordan, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I, in theory, I get the appeal there. But to me, one of the weirdest things about him are how his mannerisms are, to me, in a way, feminine. 
And I don't mean that in like a, in like a, he, he walks or carries himself. He does things that I think you usually only see women do when they are very aware of being looked at all the time, like especially beautiful women. And one of the most obvious things he always does is he like bites his lip in, in some sort of attempt to look adorable. And that is something I have never seen a man do in life. I have only seen women pull that move. So it's like he's so used to being admired and looked at that he takes on these mannerisms that I find really unattractive in a man. Um, and then I think he's 100% fake and he already has a job on the SEC network and technically he's my coworker, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Chase actually seems like if you met him in real life, he probably would end up being a great boyfriend and like someone you would totally want to date. But because he moves so slowly, this isn't the best place for him to try to actually win someone's heart. But I bet in real life, you'd probably be very similar to who he is on the show and be like a genuine nice guy who's hesitant to jump in. But when he does is authentic about it. Luke, I love, I mean, a horseback riding Southern accent, hot guy with a great body. Who's romantic. That's great. I'm in on that. It's like you described me right now, other than the accent, right? I mean, just like my husband too. Sorry, Brad. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah. And then Robbie's just, Robbie's not my type at all. I do think he's probably lying about his ex-girlfriend. Way too much hair product. Um, yeah, Robbie doesn't do it for me at all. In the end, I'm not. I actually think something weird's going to happen because of those clips of her breaking down. And I know that happens every season, but to me, I feel like in the end, it's probably going to come down to Jordan and Robbie. She's not going to trust either of them because Jordan is probably using her for fame, and Robbie is probably a guy who lied about breaking up with his ex. And so she's either going to pick neither or she's going to pick Jordan or someone. And then they're not going to, whatever it is, I'm fairly certain she ends up heartbroken and is not going to be happy. Okay. But you say they're probably in it for fame about the guys, but that, that would, she is too probably. That's what I was going to say. It was like, if you're, if you've ascended to the, be the bachelor or bachelorette, you're probably all like a lot of them have to be thinking I either need someone who, I mean, if I fall in love, great. But regardless, I'm going to get a bounce of fame and I need to get like somebody whose stock is high. That's why I think she'll end up with Jordan because I feel like right. they can try to use each other. That's right. And then like, and they'll both be in on it. And maybe the rec- family rec- will reconcile. I mean, clearly when this was taped, they didn't know how bad that was going to be. So wait, let's get into that for a second. So, for wait, those- so really quick, though, it's interesting that you said that because that's one of the reasons that I think that this show it has, it, it's going to have issues continuing because I think it did start out with people who authentically wanted to find a new way to like find the person out there for them. And now it's such a fame grab that it's really hard to ever watch it and not question like their authenticity. Like even someone like Caitlin Bristow, who was a surprisingly not boring person. Like she was one of the few that actually still had like a lot of personality um, as the bachelorette, but um, I just think that the show will continue to get harder and harder to watch and believe because of that. Um, and now they're having to create like all this drama to make it different than previous seasons where they like conveniently don't let them look at phones or television or magazines, but then they drop magazines about Jojo's ex in the room with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these people are secluded from everything. And then yet magically they make sure that they see tabloids when it's going to benefit the drama of the show, or they like leak something about someone's actual, they have some character from a different season show up just so they can 
you know, promote it and then be like, oh, never mind. He was just here to give her advice. Like, you know, it's just like they keep going with these gimmicks because it's been on so long that they need some new catch. And eventually, I think it's already starting to kind of get annoying. Eventually, I think it's going to jump the shark. Yeah, I wish they would. I wish they would just roll with whatever the couple gives them. Like, I feel like occasionally when they get a Sean Lowe type who's a good guy they finds a good match they they trot that couple out as see we create real love or even that couple right. that like hooked up on bachelor in paradise that they they now do the same thing with and then that kind of feeds the beast of oh well if a couple doesn't make it they're they're just a bunch of failures whereas i find like one of my favorite seasons was ben finding court not not this ben but i think the previous ben the long-haired wine making ben flan jake or whatever yeah Flan-jake, and it, yeah like that courtney girl was like a total villain i mean she was like the juan pablo yeah. of the show but she was great and i found it i thought it was more compelling to see is he ever going to realize that she's just using him for fame yeah yeah, yeah. but that's the reality well, quandary right like you they never want to go break the fourth wall and just be like by the way half these people are just trying to become Right. Famous. Well, and I think people are so critical of the show in a way that like is unrealistic about how life works. Like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't get engaged after only knowing each other on a show and not having real life interaction, but that just adds the drama at the end and they can get, you know, they can break up and move on just like everyone else does. And, like how many people's relationships end up being the one that they marry? Not that many. So if they do find someone that they want to date for a year or two years and then they end up breaking up, it's not inherently a failure. Right, right. And like, and you mentioned the drama. So like the big drama this season was or is uh, Jordan Rogers, Aaron Rogers' brother. Everything that's come out about it is that the family is divided. You know, they don't talk to Aaron anymore. It's become a big story in the sports world. Can we just both agree that the worst way to smooth things over with family is to talk about the fight on reality television? Like, the- right, but I don't think he does it seem like he wants to smooth things over, right? To me, this is just another part of the ploy to get famous. Right. Is how do I get more head- headlines? And clearly I'll get more headlines if I'm open and honest. Like if he wanted to be honest about how he, they don't really talk much, he could very simply say, um, you know, we had a little falling out, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm certain we'll come back together. And just leave it at that. And if she wants to talk about it more, just say, you know, it's not something I'm comfortable sharing right now. And he doesn't. And, the, and he, like, milks it because, you know, he wants the headlines. And I'm not saying it's not true. It seems like they genuinely don't like each other. But uh, he definitely is getting more headlines because of it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is who looks worse, Aaron for them portraying him as like this distant left the family or them for clearly pushing this narrative when they don't need to? Well, I think they both look bad. The thing that's interesting is I'm not sure when this falling out happened because I want to say it was two years ago. I interviewed Aaron Rodgers' parents at Packers tailgate. They were there to watch the game. They said they go to like tons of his games um, and everything seems cool. So I wasn't certain when watching that clip whether the parents were also in on the feud or if they're playing both sides of the feud right now and they're, and they're close with both sides, the both brothers. Um, but yeah, when the dad said something about fame not changing Jordan, that made it seem like he was maybe uh, passive-aggressively throwing Aaron under the bus for not having that fame. 
ability. Who's the worst football brother figure, Jordan Rogers or um, Josh Murray, Aaron Murray's older <laughs> brother, who who famously uh, bedded um, uh, Andy Dorfman only to have that relationship not work after she chose him? Right. Um, what I think is the most interesting part about both guys is that it really does show that there is a lot of truth to the old like idea of girls, of women, like knowing that something's not good for them, but wanting it anyway. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like, I, I don't want to blame them because like there is some, like not really Jordan. I don't, I don't really find him particularly attractive. I'm sure if I met him in life and he hit on me and I was single, I would, I would of course, you know, be like interested. He's not like an ugly guy, but like Josh, I found incredibly attractive. Like I totally understood what Andy was vibing on. But at the same time, even though you, you're watching them and you're saying, I totally get how they're getting cast under this spell, they are they are aware of it and they're open about how they think that they might get burned and they can't help themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's such a it's such a like that whole bad boy, like the you know, nice guys never win. Like it's it's falling right into that. Because there is this what I think what a lot of people when they do that like whole cliche of good guys finish last, they don't understand that like you can be a good guy but not be a pushover. And that's right. a, that's a sweet spot. Like you have to be a strong, capable, you know, person with your own opinions and your own independence, and be a really good person to the woman, but not be a total pushover candy ass. And that's a lot better choice for most women than like the Andy than the Josh Murrays. But they're going to go for the Josh Murrays because of the swag. Yeah, I also can't understand why people still. You mentioned like you know, being a pushover or finding the right balance between your, your own personality and like what's going to work on the show. We, we, these have been like 20 seasons in, there's no reason why people should be freaking out over a guy, you know, swinging his junk around, you know, metaphorically speaking in a room full of other dudes there to rile someone up. There's no reason to like, I bet everyone goes into the cocktail party knowing exactly what's going to happen in the room and yet they still manage to like freak out like they've never seen the show or can't imagine how this is going on. Do you, right, right, do you, right. do you feel like that's just a, like maybe some people just can't help themselves or alcohol is involved? Or do you feel like at some point it becomes Stockholm Syndrome? And if you're there and you realize you're, you're just one of 30 guys, you're not standing out, you're going to be like, screw it. I'm just going to go ruffle some feathers and be the alpha male and just be the villain like Chad this season who just very specifically went in there to be like, I just want to get a, a, a like... I just want to get the role as like the shirtless creep weirdo uh, who goes to uh, immediately to the taping of Bachelor in Paradise. Right. Yeah. Like I think with, with someone like him, it certainly seems like it. I like like he was going to show up and see if who he is is something she's interested in. And if it didn't seem like he was going to be the one who was going to at least get a lot of headlines and get in, internet famous and get paid to like do some Instagram posts for you know, whey protein shakes or something, but <laughs> right. you know, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I think there's, I think also if you are able to be that person, that's who you are. So like, they also probably cast him being fully aware that he's like a meat-headed douche that is going to punch walls. Um, and they want to add that to the mix. But I think, I think there's, there's two things. I think there's people who go and they want to make sure that they make a headline. So they do something dumb. Like they, they show up riding a pig or they get really drunk the first night because they're they're insecure and they're nervous. And then I think they're the ones who don't think they're going to be like that. And then they get there and the complicated emotion of 
liking someone and then having everybody else that likes her competing for you in the same room with you at all times makes you so deeply insecure that you like can't be a normal person anymore, which is what I think would happen if I was on the show. I hate competing in my life. I've never liked competing for dudes. Like I've never been the girl who would throw herself at someone. I'm just going to crack jokes and be myself. And if you're interested, you have to pursue me because I, I can't do that game playing crap. If you put me on the show, I would fall apart. <laughs> like, I would be so insecure <laughs> about everybody else around me. And I would have so much trouble because I, I would be the person that like makes it through three episodes because the guy's like, I don't know, she's funny when I talk to her, but she's just, I like barely notice that she's around because she like doesn't throw herself at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you need to have this perfect mix to be on that show and actually be successful. The, the first night stuff I think is important. I'm with you. I feel like you, everything would be very much like, I want to make a great first impression. And there's two ways to do it. And the first night there's the get out of the car. You get about 30 seconds to talk directly to the person. And then at some point you're going to get a one-on-one if you're aggressive enough or, or whatnot during that 12 hour taping of the cocktail party that lasts all night. But you might be 21st in line to get that time. In which case you're just sitting around boozing, talking to these other guys or girls and sizing them all up. So let me ask you this. What would you do coming out of the car to get attention? And then what do you think you'd do in the cocktail environment to try to, like you said, not get like so wasted that you create a scene, but also just not sit around and just nervously look like you're a nothing? Right. It's tough. I think something I would is making sure I got my time. Like that would be assertive about that for sure. But once I got my time, I wouldn't have trouble like – playing the like lame like flirting game <laughs> you know like, right the, the, the giggling and the whatever um i think i would probably i think it's pretty obvious to try to get you know make some, some some sort of attention off the bat i would probably do something sports related because i would want him to know that i was like you know into sports and make sure that he was into sports so like you know what, what like tackle probably, like, like a roundhouse kick to the face like what do you mean sports? no 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 <laughs> probably like I don't know, like maybe something Michael Jordan related, you know, just to be like, oh, you know, MJ is my favorite player of all time. And if we don't agree on that, I think we're going to get off on the wrong foot. You know, something like that that's kind of playful, but, uh, you know, is genuine. And yeah. then, or, you know, maybe I'd, maybe I'd um, bring him like some sort of ball from Wrigley Field and say something to the effect of like, you know. Let's go see a game together, that kind of thing. I like, like that. Ball, like balls in your court or some. Ball. Oh, <laughs> you mean you wouldn't go with you wouldn't go with the Caitlin going up to the farmer and being like, you can plow my fields anytime, which is my favorite line ever coming out right, of the car. Right, right, Like, I think I would end up being a lot like Caitlin. I don't think I would go as far as saying I want you to plow my field. I think that might be too far. <laughs> was she your um, favorite? Was she your favorite bachelorette? Yeah, she's up there. I liked Jillian a lot, too. Yeah, Basically, the two the two Canadian chicks were like the best. Um. They also, were also like, they were also sexually fearless. Like they they, yes. they weren't weren't afraid to just be like I mean Caitlin especially, but Jillian Joel McHale gave her a bag of shit. Um that that <laughs> kind of in Joel McHale's world is fine, but like I think for Caitlin it was uh, slut shaming. I mean, it was inappropriate. Like if it had been Ben fooling around or or whatever in the ocean right. with Courtney it, or Juan Pablo, like people get over it. I don't think we have to shame these well, people. Bob Guinea, I think, admitted that he slept with at least, like, six girls from his <laughs> right, season. Right, Like, I mean, that guy knew that this was his 15 minutes of sexual fame. Like, he, you know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> right. he was not like the other bachelors that always could get laid that often. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I liked. Remember Meredith? I liked that. She was like the second Bachelorette, the tall, dark-haired woman. She was sort of like elegant. I liked, I liked her, her too. She she, she she's the smart. one who yeah she had the drinking problem after the show, which was very unfortunate. But oh, it really? seemed like yeah mm. she she wrote a series of stories. I think uh, or I'm going to get a libel suit here because I've got the wrong the wrong bachelorette. But <laughs> I'm, yeah, Meredith Phillips. I'm pretty sure she wrote that um, she was battling alcoholism after the show and trying to like oh, come back to a normal life. But I think she's rebounded since then, which is good. I liked her too. I thought she was good. Yeah. What about best bachelors? Oh, that's tough. Um. Well, I mean, not Best Bachelor, but, like, I think I always definitely had a thing for Trista's eventual husband. Ryan Sutter. Though, yeah, Ryan Sutter. I, I was work- rollerblading in L.A. once, and he jogged by me shirtless, and I almost ate it. So I was just, like, so enthralled. Ryan and I go way back. Uh, oh, yeah? During my, my PR days for Gatorade, we trained him for... Um, uh, and Chad Cooper, a uh, director friend of ours, who, you know, we, we trained him for like five or six endurance races and followed him for a web series for Gatorade. Wow. That's crazy. The dude, So I remember going to their house in Colorado and, um, and being impressed with like, they had a very normal family life. I mean, Trista was there. We met their kids. They were super nice to us. Uh, he seemed like he, he still worked at the fire department and he's a war, he is a hoss. He's a workhorse. Like, we ran yeah. him through a marathon and a and a half Ironman and a and a triathlon and like all these like off road triathlons in like four months and he did everything we asked. He's like a, a natural physical freak. Yeah, the other one who I was like really in love with that wasn't a bachelor that that was always my number one until he showed up on Bachelor in Paradise was Graham Bunn. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I was so. I think first of all, I was much younger then. Uh, but he, you know, he was really into basketball. I thought he was extremely charming and super hot. And it wasn't until he went on Bachelor in Paradise and I realized that he was probably very religious and controlling, um, that he wasn't right for me. But it's so funny because I was on, I was filling hosting with Ryan Rossillo, uh, in between SVP and when Rossillo and Canal started when, when they were having just a bunch of fill-ins while he found a new host. And we started talking about Bachelor stuff and I mentioned how I, had 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 this thing for Graham Bunn and I loved him and he was listening and he called in and now we like follow each other on Twitter and talk to each other, which is just really random. What'd you say uh, when he called in? Were you like mortified? I was like, yeah, Hey, uh, <laughs> that's I the mean, Sarah Spain that would have been in the be- in the cocktail party. Like, Oh, yes. hi. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, cause like at that point I've been dating my now husband for many years. So right. it was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I don't actually want to, hang out with you anymore just a phase back in the day um but yeah i'm trying to think i mean my friend and i definitely thought andrew firestone was super cute but like now again that i'm older that's like it's so not the kind of person that i ever would have gone for um jesse palmer was nice but he was boring charlie o'connell was too goofy so i always thought charlie o- boring ones yeah. like, like travis the doctor nice but boring i hated lorenzo he was the worst by far. Worse than Juan Pablo? Yes, worse than Juan Pablo. Worse than at Womack? Juan Pablo? Like, Juan Pablo, at least I could see how he was attractive. Same with Brad Womack. Like, he was annoying and cheesy, but I could see how he was attractive. Like, that Borghese guy wasn't even attractive, and he was, like, so douchey. Yeah, he was bad. He was bad. Um, God, that, what, that Matt Grant guy who ended up with uh, the Lamas chick? That was a brutal season. Basically, there's been a lot of really bad bachelors. I definitely liked Ben 
the original Ben. But then once I saw his taste and he was like going for Courtney, I was like, eh, maybe not. Sean Lowe seems like a genuine, like a good dude. Um, right, I'm gonna defend. The- I'm gonna defend Courtney for a second. Okay. Because if you recall on their dates, she was a blast. She was like, she just charmed him. She was fun. That's she'd be true. like, so she'd I be can't like, blame him for that. But that's I can blame right. her for being awful. That's but right. He didn't know. He didn't know that she was awful. It was that's only true. only when on the, she was torturing the other girls with how much he liked yeah. her, and then it was yeah. like, okay, she's just kind of a sociopath who wants to win the show. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or wants to like get famous. Fine. But I always thought she was she was charming, and I I, I feel bad that um they get it feels strange <laughs> they gave her such a villain's cut knowing that he chose her um, right right well that but like they probably they probably were watching and they were like this is amazing like she's so awful and he has no idea this will be great TV yeah and like I still the way that they decide their villains because like they really turn on Juan Pablo early in that season and look he made some comments about but they um, must have figured out that he was the worst. Or, or that he was so boring that the only way to make the show interesting was to play up that he was the worst. I think they realized early he he had no interest in playing the game with them from a promotional perspective, like going out and even kind of like right. pretending that he was into love. And I think by the time they were filming, they knew they had something hot on their hands. I think he made some comments early on about homosexuals that really offended a lot of people. Right. And he did not clarify them or, or own up to it or apologize extremely well either. And so I think they just were like, screw it. Let's just give him a villain's cut and, and like wash our hands right. of it. And, and that's when they came back, right, with like started pushing really hard on like Sean Lowe and like their success stories post Juan yeah, Pablo. They were like this. Well, because I think Juan Pablo definitely like came across as yet again someone who was using it for fame. Right. Like they kept picking people who unfortunately, like I think that's probably part of the reason they went with Farmer Chris because Farmer Chris genuinely didn't want to like move to LA and be famous. He wasn't going to leave his family farm. He really genuinely wanted to live in a town of like 50 people and they needed to like kind of skew that way because they were running into the problem of too many people that wanted to like be famous and be on Access Hollywood. Right. The only only problem is Farmer Chris was really boring, and now he's at the at the RNC supporting Trump. So, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, uh, Farmer Chris. Yeah. Uh, oh, like, <laughs> a couple more questions. You give us a bunch of time. Um, the uh, years ago, I was working for a big brand uh, that works in sports. I got a call from someone claiming to be a producer on The Bachelor, and they were asking us about um, high-profile athletes to be the next Bachelor. So like guys like Landon Donovan and younger, younger, you know, singles, that kind of Dwayne Wade, yeah. that kind of stuff. Which athlete do you think I want to do a man and man and a woman, which athlete do you think would be best mm. suited to be the bachelor bachelorette and why? Okay. One of the first ones that popped into my head that would be good is Lolo Jones. And that's because, mm-hmm. because she is a, a stated virgin and she's waiting for the right one. So you would probably believe that she was like, first of all, desperate to actually meet the right person. Cause she really wants to get laid. <laughs> um, and then also, you know, she's beautiful. She's an amazing body. I actually hung out with her a fair bit during ESPY's week last week. She's got a really outgoing personality. She's funny. She's, you know, she's bold. So I think she would be adventurous on the dates and to be interesting to watch, but she's also kind of socially awkward, I think around men, which is partly like she's able to flirt and interact with them, but she comes across a bit as someone who 
is delayed in like that part of their like life. Like that right. needs to catch up. So I think it would be an, an, an intriguing watch because there would be a lot of cringeworthy moments where she seemed to genuinely be trying to be attractive and appealing and not doing it right. You yeah. know, but you'd root for her because you'd know that she genuinely like wanted to be with these people. Um, so I think she'd be really good. Um, guys, that's a tough one. They're so like, I think Jimmy Butler would be good. He's got a, a good personality, but I think he might not open up enough because he's, he has a tendency to like turn into cliche monster when he doesn't want to talk about something that's, you know, beyond the usual like, basketball. Right. Um, JJ Watt is the same way where I think it would be really fun to watch and he would be a nice guy and you could see all these women wanting him, but I don't know if he would be likable that you would never really like know him at all. Right. Um, I've got the perfect one if you want it. Okay. Who is it? It's Tebow because. Oh God. Yes. It would be, it would be, they should just do like a virgin edition of Tebow and Lolo <laughs> and like run them simultaneously. I love it. And look, he's got the Holy Trinity, right? Of like, he's hunky, like the take your shirt off mentality that they love. He's religious, which they seem to have gone really heavy into, you know, middle America values, that kind of stuff. And then um, he's if you're famous and or rich, which he's he's both. So I think you'd have the ultimate mix of like Sean Lowe plus Jesse Palmer, which I think would get like everybody really excited i just think he'll well, never and again do it. the virgin thing i think makes people feel like well, whether that's true or fair or not that they're less likely to be bullshitting because they believe that this person is genuinely going to look for love because of their religious upbringing dude they should like oh. with ben ben higgins is very like ben higgins is actually i forgot to mention him before the season started in pretty early on he was like probably my favorite bachelor i really like thought that if i were younger i would want to be with him and then once we got into like the overly religious territory, I was like, eh, probably not for me. And then at the end, when he was like too much of a candy ass to like be honest, and he told them both he loved them and like completely strung Jojo out, <laughs> uh, I lost a lot of respect for him. I have a theory on this. I think he said, I love you to the first girl, and the producers flipped out, and they're like, you can't, you can't just seal this deal this early. And then he just felt pressure to say I love you both and he he I think he seemed I'm with you I think he seemed like a good dude and he probably is I mean I don't know how good I'd come across on, across on this TV reality show stuff but I think he was so eager to please that he overdid it and everyone rejected it and and I right. I can't think of another bachelor that people were more excited about who fell further except for Juan Pablo in that he was right. going to be the hunky Latin lover and turn into be like America's number one douche. Right. Well, I think for Ben, besides the fact that I think at the end, he definitely, once he messed up, he could have salvaged it a lot better. I thought up until that point, he was actually handling the whole thing really well. Like, right. I think he was honest. I think he was careful with people's like feelings. I think he was genuine. I really thought throughout that he was like a really solid bachelor. I just think at the end, he easily could have done a much better job, like not completely fucking over Jojo, but they might've made him do it basically. But who was it? Remember the really adorable guy who was a widow and whoever Hmm. was his season, she told him like, she didn't make him go through a rose ceremony. She sent him like, it was the least dramatic finish because she had sent him home before they even got to, oh, like Allie, Allie Federovsky yes. or like, whatever. That was the by far the best. The only way that you can 
choose Roberto over the extremely kind, lovable, caring, genuine widow is to not break his heart by making him stand somewhere and start to propose to you. <laughs> like, and you know what I mean? And so that was like, I really respected that. And I don't know if she forced the producers to let her do that or if they themselves were like, this is going to be a lot better if we don't paint her as a terrible person. Yeah. But either way, like that was a much better way to handle it than the JoJo thing, I think. I will say this. I don't know why people get so extremely offended when they're like dumped on a beach. Like that's happened every year. It's it's like saying I didn't think we'd lose the Super Bowl or, or no, whatever. But, but I do think that there is something to be said for like it's not that you you don't understand that one of you is gonna go home, but if you get to the point like say JoJo, where they've told you that they love you and that they that you're their best friend and that they can't imagine life without you. That even though you know that every year someone gets shit on, you think it's not you. Right. Or you like just it's completely blindsiding. And you've probably slept with them in the fantasy suite. And so exactly. it can be crushing too. All right, let me ask you this. <laughs> Two more questions. Fantasy suite, do you want to be first, second, or third, and why? Oh God. Um now there's man. a there's a gameplay function here, but there's right, also right, like, right. A, like a, a, last, a hygiene function here. <laughs> right. If you're if you go last, then you're the most recent when you get to the rose ceremony, and their their overwhelmingly glowing thoughts are of you because you're the most recent one, and they also can compare you to the other two, in and have the best like ability to ask you questions or get what they need if they need anything. On the other hand, they probably just bone two other people. Like in a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, even if they showered, that that they're basically carrying around, you know, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. They're ch carrying so, around Chad Johnson's like rooftop, whatever diseases. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's a tough call. If I, I guess. If I believed strongly enough in our relationship. Well, I was going to say that I would sleep with them, but, but like they all, when they sleep with the other one, think that they're like the, the ones and then get blindsided. So I, I guess I'm still going first and hoping my performance is enough to, to, <laughs> to last, to last all the way through rounds two and three while they're still thinking about, that's another thing to consider. If it's really good, then when they're boning the other two, they're thinking about you. I, I think that's fantastic. I like, I would always go, I'd always go first. Yeah. yeah. I always first purely for hygiene reasons. If they dump you, they dump you, you're, you know, yeah. you, you leave. All right. Last thing. This is my wife said, you have to do this. Let's do date, marry, kill all oh, time contestants. Oh. They could be bachelors or contestants. I think we should do it for Ooh. girls and guys. Okay. So we're gender neutral. So on the girl side, who would you date? Who would you marry? Who would you kill? Okay, let me pull up the. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia that has all of them. <laughs> all right, hey, let me give you mine while we're while we're while you're doing okay. that. I would date Caitlin. I think she's okay. like the the of all the contestants. I think she's probably the closest to like a funny, exuberant personality that you could imagine meeting yourself at a bar and going out with like right. three months, and then she's and like, she's like a, and she's a freak, and she's like, yeah, I'm not into long term, and you're like, that's cool. It was a lot of fun. See ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary and we, I'll I'll say it right now we're, for our listeners we're both married like this is just for fun <laughs> yeah. it's fine yeah purely hypothetical um Mary I'd probably go Catherine Sean Lowe's wife I thought she was like right. witty but also very 
Um, and she embraced her nerdiness. Yeah, and also just seemed like I bet they'll they could I could see them being married for a long time. She just seemed like she was fine settling down and just you know remaining famous, but not in like a desperate way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kill Vienna. Um, <laughs> yes. Womack's girl and no no not Womack she was with no Jake Pavelka Jake's girl the only thing that she ever two things about her the only time I ever liked her was when she totally humiliated him when she was like complaining he was so controlling and then he kind of like raised his voice like just a little bit and she just started bawling and like had to walk off in that reunion and he just looked like the world's worst villain forever that was that was was hilarious but so I would good. kill her specifically for her Bachelor in Paradise performance with that weird singing Casey guy from Ashley's um, season. Yeah. Well, yeah, she was well, she was just the worst in general. He likes that guy is on my kill list. He sang he like straight sang like 98 degrees songs to like impress girls in like not in 1998 in college when I would see guys doing that. Like he did that in in like the year 2009. <laughs> um. All right, those are good. In fact, yeah, I, I'm, I'm having trouble disagreeing with any of those. I think I would probably... I think I would probably date Caitlin. I think you're right on that one. Super fun, sarcastic, um, probably freaky in bed and um, adventurous and will be out for anything. I think I probably... Man, it's harder to remember some of the like great women that got like kicked off of bachelor seasons and right. to remember like the ones who were actually bachelorettes because you got to know them better um i hate to say it i'm gonna go with you i think i'd probably marry uh marry uh what's her face Catherine. Catherine, yeah because she seemed like the perfect balance of like a nice person who's smart and has a good personality and embraces her nerdiness a little bit um uh, my toss-up for murdering vienna's up there but just to make it more interesting my toss-up is between Erica Rose, the awful one who wore the tiara. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great really, one. I really hated that girl. Um, like, there, there's no redeeming qualities about her, so I don't even have to get into it. And then my other one is um, the chick who genuinely thinks that she's Aladdin's uh, girlfriend. Oh. Uh, what's her name? She was a virgin, too, right? Yes, Ashley. Ashley, Ashley. Ashley I. Yes, that bitch. Oh, my God. I wanted to punch <laughs> her in the face. I felt sorry for her because she's so delusional and so on, like, and so lacking in any self-awareness at all. Like, like, socially the equivalent of, like, a 12-year-old hanging out with adults, grown adults. And her obsession with finding somebody who looks like Aladdin so she can be Jasmine, like... I, yeah. Brutal. And all the crying, I can't. Oh, yeah. I know. All right, so let's do the guys. Here's here's mine. I'm going to date Charlie O'Connell. Okay. I know he's goofy, but he's probably like the most fun. I think you get some Hollywood stories. You get a little right. taste of you're in the right room for a couple parties. You're not going to settle down with him, but like it's going to be a fun couple months and then that's it. Lots of Sunday yeah. fun days with that guy and his brother. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. I've spent some Sunday fun days with his brother. Actually, no, with Charlie O'Connell. Oh, really? He used to wear this, he used to wear this belt. No, he, his best friend used to wear this belt with Barbie on it. And we always would go to Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood. He was a fun guy. 
When was this? Early. This was. Are you amazed at how many people from the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise I've actually hung out with? That's what happens when you live in L.A. for six years. They're everywhere. Um, yeah, back in L.A. when I when I was in my twenties in L.A. That's a great story. You know what? One night over beers, we're going to have an off-the-record discussion about those nights in West Hollywood <laughs> with all the Bachelor people. There you go. Um, okay, Mary, I would go with JP, the guy who unfortunately right. wound up on Ashley's season but just went all into it, and now is like they're married and like you know they seem yeah. super happy. He seems like a good dude. And then e- either him or Ryan Sutter, who, as we mentioned, I, I worked with, I, he was just like a super nice guy. And right. then Kill... It's really close, right? Because I already mentioned that Casey guy who I don't like. I've mentioned oh, Womack. God, but no, the, the number one kill is Nick, the two-time runner-up, the yes. Buffalo Bills of The Bachelor. Yes. Go away, who, who Nick. Who goes on national television and tells everyone that you boned and how that hurt his feelings. So lame. Like, the slut-shaming of Andy Dorfman is one of the most unnecessary things from a, yeah, a from a, a, like a, a, a re, uh, whatever, the reunion show. The way she handled it was great. I thought... I would have, if she would have just stood up and slapped him, it would have been even better. What an idiot. And like you said, he came off like such a wiener. Like, why would you be the guy who's like, oh, sorry for sleeping with me. And then like making me get like, like a thousand other girls who would desperately want to like hook up with him at a bar in Hollywood. Like, give me a break. He's just weaselly. He's just weaselly too. Pathetic. Yeah. I just, I never saw the appeal. I actually saw him at Big Bowl here in Chicago once. Of course, of course, you know all these people. All right, give me your give me your date, Mary Kill, and I'll let you go. You gave me so much time. Yeah, one of the issues here is that some of them get really close, and then I'm like, ah, if it was real life, I don't think we would work out. So I have to suspend disbelief a little bit because there's nobody that I think I've gotten well enough by watching that I actually think like has all the qualities that I would want. Um, I think I would probably date Ben Higgins. He seems like an incredibly nice guy. He loves the Cubs. He's hot. I like. He's got chicken legs. He's tall and skinny. That's how I like him. <laughs> I just feel like he just physically, I find him very attractive, and he just seems like a good person who wouldn't be a dick or a douche. So, so wait, real quick. Chicken legs, tall and skinny. Is Tyler? Is Tyson Chandler your number one guy of all time? <laughs> he's up there. He's up there. There. Uh, no, Michael Jordan is actually okay. tall and skinny, and he has amazing chicken legs, which were especially pointed out when he played baseball, and he was in baseball pants, and you were like, damn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would date Ben Higgins. I'm not sure who I'm going to marry then, though. I definitely, you know who's up there is uh, the guy that I mentioned, and we never got to know him that well, so it's possible that, like, there was more about him that I would have needed to know to decide to marry him, but that. That Chris Lambden guy, who was the widow on Allie's season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. He, and I think he ended up marrying someone from The Bachelor, Peyton, the blonde chick. Um, but, like, he just seemed like such a nice, genuine person. And he was super hot. And, like, he just seemed real. It, it didn't seem like he was, like, putting on a show or trying to be famous. Um yeah, he's tall and cute, and yeah, I think I probably... I haven't learned enough about him to dislike him enough yet to think that we wouldn't work out. So I'll marry him, I guess. And then Killing is like... That Nick guy is up there. Jake Pavelka, I think... And I don't know this for sure, but if I had to guess, he's probably uh, like actually a psychopath. So definitely would <laughs> maybe want to kill him. Uh, I mean, there's some guys that are so terrible that they get kicked off kind of early. 
and you forget about them, so they're not popping into my head right now. Um, yeah, it's got to be up there with with those guys for sure. Well, they're great. I think it's, it might be Nick. I think Nick wins. Yeah, Nick. I mean, when he came back, the other one that is um, Chris. I don't remember what his name was, but he came back for someone's season. They they didn't even let him in the door. Um, oh well, that was that was. Um, he used to live in my building. <laughs> Gee, Sarah, it's like it's like you live live in the mansion. <laughs> I know that guy. Um, he that that he claimed later that was all staged. A setup. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Um, what? Yeah, his name I think was Chris. Anyway, yeah, he lived in our building, but he moved out. Actually, I found out from Ed Wodersky <laughs> that he moved out uh, right before, right, right after, like midway through the filming where it was on the air. So I only saw him in our building like twice. Um, Chris Bukowski, I think that was Bukowski. That's right. I'm I'm challenging all Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants who know Sarah Spain. Call the trifecta. <laughs> call the trifecta. Make her react to this. Make her the awkward cocktail party Sarah right. Spain that we know would come out on the show. Please right. do this. Isn't this. This is like the worst. This is like the worst podcast ever when it comes to name drops because they're not even like good name drops. It's just people <laughs> from The Bachelor. Oh, and, <laughs> to me, and to me and my wife, they are great name drops. We love right. the show. We we can't thank you enough for coming on uh, to talk this long with us about it. I want to encourage everyone. Uh, just you know, tune into all the places to see you on ESPN. When can when should they be listening for the trifecta? Trifecta is most Saturdays when we don't get bumped by something, 12 to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And then I have a column and podcast that are both called That's What She Said, and they are now running every Tuesday with a new podcast and a column. And then most Tuesdays I go on SportsCenter to do a hit about either what my column's on or the latest in some, you know, Cubs or Bulls or whatever else. Yeah, and I will encourage everyone to follow you at Sarah Spain on Twitter. You're a great follow, always posting really interesting content, always having fun back and forth with, um, with fans. Uh, and Sarah, thank you so much for joining. Uh, and I, I really cannot wait for you and Bukowski to do an hour of podcast next week <laughs> on, uh, on life in your old building, wherever that was. Sounds good. All right, now we're going to take you back to a very special time, the early 90s. And no one in sports was more charismatic or interesting in the early 90s than one Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Primetime. Uh, during this era, he was playing not one but two professional sports at an extremely high level and putting out rap albums like his debut, Primetime. Hey, the guy knows, knows how to stay on brand, right? Like, Primetime, but I don't know I'm going Primetime. If you didn't know this album was by me, now you do. Now you do. <laughs> so... What we're going to do right now is compare two iconic musical performances by Deion Sanders. One, a cameo in the MC Hammer video, Too Legit to Quit, which is arguably one of the greatest uh, achievements in, in, in hip-hop meets sports culture. <laughs> and then two, Must Be the Money, the I guess you could say the gold standard of uh, Deion Sanders' videos. We're going to compare and contrast, go a little one-on-one, see which one stands the test of time more. Um Guys, I want to go right to the source on this one. Joe Reed said he had a hard take on which one was best. So, Joe, 
Who you got? Well, now in your intro, I'm wondering what criteria we're judging these videos off of. What do, I think you, whatever criteria you want. We're is the it, first the, people is to it, do this. We're which one did you? Yeah, which one did right. you jerk off harder to? Ooh. <laughs> Can I say both? Pumps um, and a bump. Pumps and a bump. <laughs> Pumps and a bump. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the is Adams it the, family rap? Is it the quality of the video itself? Is it the message that's being delivered? Is it the is it the set that I would have rather hung out on? Because then I'm going to have different You can be whatever you want. I have a hot take for a different reason. What's your reason? I think it's too legit to quit by a mile. Of course. <laughs> Thank <laughs> too you. Too legit okay. to quit is an amazing accomplishment in cinema. The hotter take is no. the Dion. And I'll, I'll say, it's, all, I say it's too legit just for the hand gesture alone. But I think if w- no. what set would I rather hang out on? I would rather hang out on must be the money. They both had pretty amazing pool parties. Yeah, there were also like 14 sets in Must Be the Money. He's like in an office with cash flying in the air. They're on a they're outside on a pool deck. Then it's a helicopter shot outside of the pool deck. He's inside a limo, he's outside a limo. He's in a convertible, he's in the club with like hundreds of people behind him. He was a very fast-paced He was living a very fast-paced lifestyle, Joe. I'm just saying this music video probably took like a month to shoot. It's just I don't know. He I would it. argue this video music video did not take a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it certainly didn't take a month to edit. <laughs> Adam, what's your what's your take on this? Here's why you're here's why it's uh Deion Sanders and must be the money. Um we were talking Primetime was released um a few months after Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die. Well you can clearly see the influence. Well, <laughs> give me a minute to get there. I like where you're going with this. So, Deion Sanders is talking about must be the money. Previous to Notorious B.I.G. and Deion Sanders, you didn't hear rappers talking about how much money they had. That is completely incorrect. Eric B. and Rakim paid in full, 1980. But it was... Closer to the truth on that, but yeah, Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. I got a color TV, so I can see the Sixers yeah. well, play. Let, let me say this: it was a different. It, it was what it was what having status in their community meant. Like me and my Adidas, Run DMC, yeah, all yeah. that. So not so not necessarily Dookie not Gold focused rope. on material go- goods, but in the club, drinking Cristal, buying fur coats, buying major brands, taking private jets to Paris. Sorry, you did not hear about that in the 80s. That started in the 90s with rappers like Notorious B.I.G. Two years later, Reasonable Doubt and Jay-Z came out where he's talking about, um, you know, Well, building he starts an dressing empire. like a Don. And like, yes. it's, it's less about like Adidas and stuff like that. It's street culture yeah, and high like fashion. All right, that makes so more Deion sense. Sanders, Deion was more on trend. That's a very so good Deion point. Deion Sanders kind of usher helped to usher believe it or not helped to <laughs> usher in an era of rap that still exists today it's where high fashion and wall street met hip-hop materialism money yeah it's a good point okay it's a fascinating point but there's no floating <laughs> but, fuck uh, you. but there's no floating orb in the Deion sanders uh, video mc hammer is clearly trying to make and adam you said it last night in the bar when we talked about this He's trying to make his thriller. This is an 11-minute video that starts with a spoken word entree from James Brown where MC Hammer walks in to a room shirtless, dressed like a ninja, clearly has an erection. And he's trying to talk to James Brown, and it's totally nonsensical. There's a floating orb that kicks off an, an enormous you know, pyrotechnic-laced dance sequence. 
And then at the end, there is the ultimate, it's like the dream team, like all brought together. Listen to these athlete cameos at the end, okay? Jose Canseco, Isaiah Thomas, Kirby Puckett, Jerry Rice, Ricky Henderson sporting what is very close to a kid and play level flat top. Like high hair from Ricky Henderson. It's amazing. Dion and Andre Risen, Chris Mullen. God, I miss the Falcons <laughs> being relevant. Roger Clemens, Ronnie Lott, and Roger Clegg, Craig, both of the Raiders. A woman from the Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters who I could not identify <laughs> and didn't have time to Google. Cowboys cheerleaders, David Robinson, Falcons the cheerleaders, Admiral. and Jerry Glanville. You, it's I an mean, impressive list. Dion does not even have Jerry. He could not no. have Jerry Glanville in the here's, here's what turns me off about it. So this also, so Hammer came out with You Can't Touch This, which you could say, I wouldn't call it novelty rap. It was like, hey, as we've talked about, when rappers still like to dance. It was extremely entertaining. I was Pop a, music. Here's the amazing thing about this that we haven't talked about. I was a huge Deion Sanders fan. I had, at one point, 37 Deion Sanders trading cards. Wow. Uh, I had every I had Hammer's albums. Um, he was a quote unquote commercial rapper, but too legit to quit for me starts the era of um well Hammer and Vanilla Ice being more corporations than they were rappers. Too legit to quit, I feel was invented so they had a popular thing you could do with your hands to sell. Uh, but after I, hold on, after this video Hammerman, the cartoon came out. He then did the title track for the Adams Family soundtrack. This, bum, bum, he, bum, 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 they do this what is, they want to do. Say what is, they yeah, want to say. Live this is they going to sound harsh, but he reminds me of yesterday's Katy Perry. Who is she as a person? Nobody really knows. She's the face of a corporation, and that's what Hammer became. But here, here's my problem with your argument here. If you're going to argue that Dion yeah. anticipated what was coming in rap with materialism and things like that, I think Hammer, he got pilloried at the time. Like third base is beating up effigies of him in in their their music videos. And, you True. know, rap is not pop. If you call it that, then stop. Just around the corner, every rapper wanted to go pop and make money and be the face of a corporation and endorse Sprite or get deals with Rick James or, or excuse me, get deals with Rick Owens or fashion lines or their own shoe deal and things like that. I think he was the first one to make huge money and blow huge money, but <laughs> to make huge money off rap music in the same way that everybody then wanted to. So I, I think he was on the edge of that in the same he way. He was. It's just on what what trend is can you stomach more? Well, it's always it's always cracked <laughs> exactly. me up. I love. He's a and I still man. have. I I cannot. I will never get rid of as long as I own records. I will own my twelve inch of Country Grammar by Nelly because that song is a fucking masterpiece. That song is a masterpiece. There, I edited it out myself. That song is a masterpiece, and I love he just says, blow 30 mil like I'm Hammer in there. Like, it turns <laughs> Hammer into a punchline in the meanest possible way, but also says, I'm going to make so much money 
I'm just going to blow $30 million. Well, we'll be all right. To be fair, so. I would argue Hammer <laughs> turned Hammer into a punchline first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, look, we hear, I think we're losing sight of the important things. When you talk about, like, prime Isn't that times, the point of the whole show? talk about the art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, where do we start? Now, on to distractions. Prime times, uh, prime times video is, is fun, and it's like a good pool party, but Hammer made that video, too, equally good. Uh, with pumps in the bump, which is like also just a big pool party. It is a big, yeah, it is a big pool, pool party. party. Also, more erections. Um, <laughs> the thing about too legit to quit is he's well, really, really just one erection. Yeah, he's really <laughs> very prominent. This, this is how that thirty million was spent. He's got a suit that burns off of him, Hunger Games style, like before, well before those books were written. He's got that huge spoken Wait, word intro. Did Hammer? Influence like do the Hunger Games only exist oh, because of MTN? Probably and listen to this. Wow, Adam and I mind blowing. Adam and I really thought that the first iPod is in this video. If yes. you're watching it, there's a kid he's holding a small, like kind of rounded device with a screen like scrolling hey, through. It was probably shot near Silicon Valley. Yeah, but it's like nineteen ninety two. He's shooting in Oakland. That's right near where Steve Jobs would was Steve Jobs inspired by this video? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, like you're right, too legit to quit wins. There, there are things. This video, Hunger this, Games and Steve Jobs. So I, you know what? You know what? I'm going to go to Adam's level and take this to a deep place. If we're talking about which one, Deion Sanders is is all must be the money is all about excess, right? It's like, hey, I I do everything to excess, so it's all him like getting his hair done, getting awesome suits, going to great parties. Hammer's video is really all about excess. There are multiple dance sequences happening. All with different outsets, all uh, outfits, all in different sets. There's special effects. There's a sax player. I, I listen to the song four times. I can't find a single saxophone anywhere. <laughs> it's all synthesizers. This man is throwing all his money at this video. To me, it's more of a meta take on Flash. Like I don't know, think he was success. In, I don't. Amazing. Was he being meta though? Like was, no, he's completely oblivious to his but own I think being very meta, soon downfall. In on the joke. Like, but the, what I mean, I think it's not a joke. I'm saying they're both. If we if we just whip them out and measure them, entirely possible. <laughs> MC Hammer's multiple boners in multiple videos. If we just whip them out and measure them, but you I can't. Say, you can't bring pumps in a bump into this. No, no. Yeah. But I'm saying these two videos. One is talking about excess. One is living, living excess. Yeah. And I think that's where I would go. Also, he says propers. He's trying so hard to say, to, so he like when you remember like Hammer proper, like in this video he's talking to James Brown. James Brown, he's sitting on a throne. What is he the monarch of? Was he the he was the Godfather? He wasn't like the king of. But Paul, his right? his record label was King. I mean, the heart of Sorking Man sold show business. The Godfather sold. Yeah, I mean, okay. He James Brown sits on the throne. Yeah, okay, I mean, fair, fair enough. So. MC Hammer in a sequence I can only describe that that has the special effects and scripting of a Scientology video that's been leaked onto the internet from like 1993. He's talking to him and he's like, "I just wanted to get me the respect and the propers." Did that ever catch on? Did anyone ever say propers in that context? Props is what props, won. but he never. No one ever uh, said like, I'm, "I'm going out to get the propers." I feel like Vanilla Ice said that. I feel like that was an early '90 pop. Rap reference, sure. To me, it just seemed like something he tried to invent that that whiffed, and now it's like very clear. If you lived in the era, like, oh, proper's never left. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think we're gonna have a hard time though if we start to dig through rap music and 
start to you know take away points for slang that didn't catch on. That's going to be a long <laughs> list. It, know, so. it is a long. When was the last time you said "get buck"? <laughs> <laughs> this morning. Oh shit! Okay, never mind. By himself. What? No, get buck. Is that a is that a rap slogan? <laughs> That's what they sing in Too Legit to Quit. Get buck, get buck. That's what they're get saying. Get buck, get buck, get buck, get buck. Big. It means like yeah. get, it means like get wild. But yeah, like, get buck who wild. the hell says get buck? <laughs> Nobody. Joe Reed just clear, like <laughs> everyone. Joe Reed, everyone is, rap genius. This is, is where I, I, I wish this was videotaped. Everyone in the room went woof, as if like <laughs> Joe Reed has yeah, a mic. Wow, you know, genius is headquartered in my neighborhood. Another thing about MC Hammer. Another thing about MC Hammer. He's wearing legit dual Michael jo- Michael Jordan style knee braces while dancing. Like those like foamy. I'm not gonna. Knee I will not front on that. He danced hard. He did. They, they like, dance in the street yeah. when they're wearing the A's. That's sexy Absolutely. as hell. That's a great yeah. dance. Everyone looks right. great. It's like, this is, that's what we had the Heavy big fight. choreography. I mean, if you watch the Super Bowl 50 halftime show, Bruno Mars and his crew were dressed like Hammer, wearing A's gear, that's and great. dancing like Hammer. There was definitely a Bay Area tribute going on. If there. you want to go back, go back and listen to our Pro Stars uh, segment where I go on my like two minute rant on. Um, Oh, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No, I was just oh, yeah. I was pouring you a drink. That was my Devin Ferracci cannon <laughs> shout out. Um, go back to our Pro Stars episode, I think it was, where I talked about the, the death of the dancing rapper and how it's the biggest travesty in music. I'm still waiting for someone to come back and just be like, I'm going to go with a big, hardcore stage show. But to that point, Adam, you brought it up. Hammer is, is really more of a pop artist. Yeah, he is. And that's, that's why he... rip on him. I just no, that's artist. why he had crossover appeal. That's why he was as big as... Uh, he was to kind of follow up, unfortunately, on our last conversation. He was a non-threatening black man at a time when there were a lot of threatening black men in rap. It's, a vi- it's white audiences. White parents could stomach their kids buying MC Hammer records. Probably more than they could buying a Deion Sanders album. They would probably rather seen their kids wearing a Deion Sanders jersey an album and never the do rag. I mean, people love the story. <laughs> Media loved the story about Hammer that he was a ball boy for the yep. Oakland A's. Yep. But people just it was a endearing all American thing. It was his link to America. He was. I don't know. I like. I hear what you're saying about must be the money, and it's a it, look. It's a classic uh, cinematic feat. Um, <laughs> but I think I I just feel like. Like, too legit to quit. And plus, the cameos at the end are hilarious. Seeing all the white dudes like Jerry Glanville trying to do the too legit to quit thing. Too legit. Chris, Chris too Mullen legit to spinning quit. a ball uh, uh, on his finger because he was like, I'm not even going to attempt that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> days of run TMC. Man, those, that was the days when, like, Chris Mullen was, like, on the dream team. And, yeah. like, the next Larry Bird, right? It just never really materialized. Oh, he had a great career. I he, love Chris Mullen. Was he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Is he? I don't know. I think he is. I bet he is. You run, know what? Run, he, is, he is in our book because he was in this video. Also from the Bay Area. Well, can, played in the can Bay Can we say this? Can run we put TMC. out a permanent yeah. can we put out a permanent hammer on any athlete who is in the too legit to quit video can come on and talk about it any of the thing? I would love to have Andre Risen on to talk about his life in music. Because like left eye, like what it was like dating her, married to her, she burned his house down. Yes. With the stuffed animals. Outstanding. Yeah. Andre Risen's still alive, right? She passed away. Yes. But yeah, he's still he's alive. Still alive. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, I mean, Andre, he chased a lot of waterfalls. Speaking of chasing yeah. waterfalls, we talk about Hammer blowing $30 million sometime, somewhere 
right now, Antoine Walker's like, 30 million? <laughs> <laughs> I blew 100. Have me on the podcast. I'll tell you how I did it. <laughs> Antoine Walker's like, I bought the Masters to that video at an auction. <laughs> All right, who wants, a, who wants the last word on this video? Joe? I'll, I'll take it. Go. Oh, he's doing the too legit to quit symbol. <laughs> and uh, Joe <laughs> plans out on this one. We'll be right back with some distractions and some shout outs. back that was the crux of our show this week as uh malcolm jenkins from the eagles told us about bow ties the beauty my friends is in the imperfection right now uh you know as you you know listening to the just not sports podcast we we love when athletes get distracted by stuff away from sports and make cool shit so we would like to distract ourselves each week from the sports world so we're gonna talk to you about some of the stuff that we've got uh that's got our attention i guess you would say we call this our distractions I'm going to start, guys. Go that? for it. This band, Foles. I don't download much music anymore, um, but I downloaded them. I was, I was working a few weeks ago, um, heard a song in a bar. Uh, they had that annoying thing you do when you don't really have Shazam on your phone, and you have to like go look for a song based on like three notes that you know. I didn't even know any lyrics. So I just had to like, go through the iTunes like rock songs and just like go click like play me, play me, play me. Like Probably took me like four hours, and I finally found this song. Uh, but when I get into music, so this is an old writing habit from my reporting days. With music, um, when I get into a groove on something, I will listen to the same song on repeat. So, like, if you like, I'll stay up all night writing a story or writing a term paper and just listen to. One night, I wrote an entire term paper to um, the Spanish version of Enrique Iglesias' "Rhythm Divine." Re- oh, amazing! Ritmo total para mí ese ritmo total. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah, I'm well, not kidding. I, I, I don't know why I had that, that on a CD, but I got I got into it and I just put it on repeat. So, so you I just run the song, song into the ground, like then you can just never <laughs> yeah, listen to it. I'll again. do that if I'm working on uh, if I'm producing a piece and we're using a certain kind of music. I'll I've been told that editors, if you're working on something, you should listen to the music straight for like 24 hours, just that. Really? And I'll I'll do that. I'll just like ride around yeah. my bike or go into work and commuting. I'll just listen to the same song on repeat while we're working on the piece and then. Right. With this, oh, I so I put it on. I was oh. I was flying to New York. I was right just now. getting ready for stuff, and yeah. I, I threw it on, and I listened to it like probably 300 times in a row. The song uh, Mountain at the Gates, I think it's called. Great song. I dug it. Uh, probably need to check out the rest of Foles, <laughs> Foles music <laughs> before I can comment on the band itself. Uh, but uh, one of those songs that I would have definitely spent 15 bucks on a CD for back in the 90s and just been like, you know, we should do a, a list like that sometime of... Um, like what? What music did you buy? Being like, oh yeah, this like this album's gonna be great, and then you're like, yep, I just spent fifteen bucks mm. on a Harvey Danger CD just for that song from you know the faculty or whatever it is. A lot of terrible '90s rappers, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, Rampage. Yeah. Uh, all right, Adam, who's your distraction? So the uh, the flotation tank place I go to in Chicago, they're moving locations, which means they've been shut down for several months. Uh, I do find it to be a great release in terms of stress. Um, I think we've talked about flotation tanks Your before isolation on this program. Chamber yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so instead, I am making an, an attempt to meditate more. Uh, I feel like every time I come on here, I talk about an app or service, but I will say Headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, 
an app you can find. It's a it's a great beginner's approach um, to meditation. The this is the story I heard about the creator that he um, he went to become a Buddhist monk uh, and then was placed. Um, the monastery didn't really know what to do with him, so they placed him in a Russian businessman's business who appreciated the importance of meditation. Uh, but he couldn't dress as a monk. He had to dress as a businessman, which gave him the idea of how can I take meditation to the masses? And so now he's done so with a uh, app called Headspace, 10 to 15 minutes of meditation a day. Uh, I would say that's both easier and harder than it sounds. How does it work? It's been recommended to me by somebody else. Like, do you just put on headphones and yeah. listen to something? Yeah, or? you're supposed to sit in a quiet place where you can put your feet on the floor um, and he will give you some initial instructions. You start with your eyes open, take some deep breaths, and then get into our normal breathing pattern. Um, there's kind of the introductory series, uh, which is an introduction to meditation, and then you can pick your personal track, so like whatever you're trying to work on. If, if stress is a problem, if anxiety is a problem, if sleep is a problem, um, the way he structures kind of the different courses um, will help you within that particular area. Really, general meditation should help you in all of those areas, right. but he gets very specific. Um, so it's something I, I've enjoyed lately. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, I like nice. it. Headspace. Headspace. Awesome. Uh, my distraction, uh, so I've talked on here about stopping drinking is a good thing for me. It's It's been the best single health thing I've done for myself and my mental health in a long time. My new addiction, uh, I've gotten a bunch of tattoos because I live in Brooklyn and I ride a bike around. Uh, but I have to recommend a book, a beautiful book of tattoo art that just came out called Vintage Tattoo Flash by Jonathan Shaw. He was a tattoo artist for a lot of years, published by Powerhouse Books, an art book publisher in Brooklyn. It is beautifully published. It is, whether you have a thousand tattoos or zero tattoos, it is a great addition to any coffee table uh, as we talk about you know, it just it is an enduring art form. There are particular artists that are highlighted frequently. My favorite is Zeke Owens. He was kind of a sailor, one of the guys who worked with Sailor Jerry. He's kind of got a hippie stoner vibe, which, if you know me, kind of fits in with, I don't know, I dig the psychedelic. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, but I cannot recommend this book enough. I've spent the last few months flipping through it. Uh, Jonathan Shaw and all his interviews are very interesting, but I have to give him credit. The colors, the reprints, the book is just beautifully done. Powerhouse does a lot of great stuff, and Vintage Tattoo Flash is a great addition to any coffee table. Joe? I've been distracted by grilling. (laughs) (laughs) 40-year-old millennial. Do you guys grill? How often do you grill? (laughs) We grill probably four times a week. Yeah, I like grilling. Kelly you really at, do. Kelly cooks on the grill like four times a week. I grill probably about four times a summer because we don't have backyards. So. so that's the mark I've just recently hit. It's probably been four or five times this year. But it is wonderful. There's something about <laughs> – I just have never done it. We've never had the space to it living in Chicago. We never had an outdoor space. Never had a grill before. Being outside. You charcoal or gas? Charcoal. Yes. Uh, um, so it's a little right. bit more work. It tastes but it's, better, but it's more work, yeah. Yeah, but just there's uh, there's just a sense of accomplishment. I like cooking as well, but there's much more of a sense of accomplishment. You're outside. We often eat outside after we grill. Recipes are very easy. They're usually straightforward. Um, so I would just recommend anyone listening, if you're thinking about getting into the grill game, 
do it. But I work with a guy, a DIT, a digital imaging technician, McKay Johnson. He's out of New Orleans. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, at this point, he's, he works on big movies. And he said, the only reason to use film, to shoot film on a movie is because you like the pace that comes along with it. It's longer to set up shots. You mm. shoot less as opposed to shooting digital or something like that. I feel like working with charcoal, like it's a better pace. You set up the charcoal, you chill on the stoop or the porch or whatever. You have a drink. You talk to your friends. Yes. After a half hour, you get up, you poke the coals around, you sit back down, you drink more. It's like you a get, form of meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. What I was gonna say. Exactly. Kind of charcoal is like shooting film on a set. I just, that is a like perfect way to explain it. Right. So I've been, so I've so been loving it. You guys, right? yeah. I've been loving yeah. it. Yeah. Makes total sense. I'm like, fire up this gas grill. Let's get this food in my stomach and get going. Put the grill to bed. (laughs) Throw that grill out. We'll get a new one tomorrow. Uh, Brad thought you meant the George Foreman grill. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Just Not Sports on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash Just Not Sports. We are on Snapchat, but we don't use it. Maybe we will by the time you hear this. We are on Instagram at Just Not Sports. And uh, let's give a shout out. I'm gonna give a shout out to our guests, the wonderful Sarah Spain, so talented, uh, such a great friend of the podcast. Uh, we worked with her on our More Than Mean campaign against um, harassment, along with Julie DeCaro. I uh, can't say enough about what uh, those women are doing to try to um, raise important issues about equality and gender discrimination all across sports, uh, not just uh, in their own interests as members of the media, but for athletes everywhere. So. Um, really appreciate her coming on the show. Loved talking to her about Bachelorette and, uh, follow her on Twitter. Uh, she's, she's definitely pushing great content all the time. Uh, all right, let's do some other shout outs to the rest of you guys. Cause it's always fun to tape in the same room. Let's just, Adam, why don't you give your shout outs? I'm going to cut right to the, well, everyone else. I mean, you want me to cut, go yeah. cut right to the chase? Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Shout out to my boy, Uzi, Def Jeff. Yeah. Little Swanee. Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin, Ron. I love those guys. Thank you guys for all you do, especially Ron Mack with his editing help this week with Joe out. And um, <laughs> I'm just going to say. He's a lifesaver. I'm going to say booty rappers in the words of Shaquille O'Neal. Stay booty. Too legit. Together right now. <laughs>